Good morning. I'm Mads and I'm going to be talking to you guys for about five minutes this morning. Just to give you a brief overview of what we're going to be looking at, we've got four kind of mini talks. I'm going to be looking at creation um, and then Sam's going to come up and talk about kind of the Christmas story, Jesus being sent to earth. Petra's going to do Jesus' life, death and resurrection and Steve's going to come up and kind of round everything up together. So, creation. As a church, we believe that before there was anything ever, before there was land, before there was sea, before there was a house for us to live in or a bed for us to sleep in, there was a God. Now, this God is outside of time. He's always existed, still exists, and always will continue to exist. He is limitless. He is without restriction, without boundaries. He is all-powerful and almighty. And we believe that this God is the creator of the universe, and he created everything out of nothing. Now, this incredible God that is powerful and almighty is also a personal God. He is gentle, he is loving, and he is kind. And ultimately, we believe that he wants a relationship with those that he has created. So this amazing God is the creator of the universe. He created everything in creation, the land, the sea, and all the creatures that are in it as well. Genesis 1 verse 20 to 21 says, And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing in which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that what he was made what he has made is good god makes all of these amazing creatures and all according to their kind he doesn't just make one or two species he goes on to make thousands Scientists have found um, that there is 240,000 species in the sea, and they've only discovered 5% of the oceans. There's probably a lot more than that number. And God created all of those species. They didn't get bored, he didn't go copy and paste and make the same. He made them all different, unique, with a specific purpose and a specific design. And this is the amazing God that we believe in, that he is gentle enough to think about them differently and make them so distinct from one another, all with a specific design to serve us and serve creation, but also he's powerful enough to do that as well. So God makes creation, the world that we live in, he's made the animals, and then he then goes on to create something completely different than anything else he's ever made, and that is us, it's man. And the Bible tells us that all God needed to create mankind was a bit of dust and his breath. That's literally all he needed. That's how powerful he is. Those two things, and he made um, a specific person with intricate parts that all play a specific purpose. We have eyes that enable us to see the beautiful world that God has created us. We have ears that enable us to hear and communicate with people. He made us so intricate. And everything that has been designed has a specific purpose. If you look at a bee, obviously they make honey, but they also play a massive part in our ecosystem and our environment. Something so small has a huge contribution to the world that we live in. And we've been designed with a specific purpose and a specific design as well. And that is to be in relationship with the person that made us, our creator. 
And the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve had an intimate relationship with their creator. Genesis 3 tells us that they walked with him in the cool of the day. They talked to him. They spent time with him. They sat down with him. How amazing would that be to talk to your creator? Not just a person that made you individually distinct and made all your parts of your body, but also that made the world just specifically for you to live in. And they spent time with him and they did talk to him. So why don't we have that relationship with Jesus now? Well, ultimately, the Bible tells us that we don't have that relationship because of sin. And what that word means, it's a biblical word that just means a mistake or a wrongdoing. And you may have heard the kind of creation story before, but Adam and Eve did disobey God. And they ate from the one tree that God asked them not to. And from that point on, our relationship with our creator was broken. And Sam's going to come up in a little while and talk about how that relationship was restored. Do grab your seats. And so in the very, 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 very good beginning, everything was lovely. Everything honored God. But then like Matt said to us, things went wrong at some point when man turned his back on God and disobeyed God. But even on that very, very sad day, there was some good news because in the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in the Old Testament or first book of the Bible, Genesis simply means beginnings, even on that very, very sad day, there was a hint of good news. God gives us a hint of good news that things would not always be that way. And so in Genesis Chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says to us, God says to the serpents who ultimately had led man to sin, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Speaking here, God's promise or prophecy that one special man from the woman would ultimately destroy the works of the devil. And although he will destroy the works of the devil, he will be wounded in the process. And so, so began God's ultimate plan to restore man back to himself. And so we find again, Another prophecy. This is long before Jesus arrives. This is run about a thousand years before that. In the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. It says this. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. This is way before Jesus was born. And it points to the manner in which Jesus will be born and also to one of the names that will be given to the Christ, Emmanuel, which means God with us. We step into the New Testament and we find that in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter, chapter 1 verse 21 to 23, Matthew actually confirms this prophecy of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. In another Old Testament prophet in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, it says this to us, but you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, 
out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient of times. Again, this Old Testament prophet helps us see, run about 700 years before Jesus will be born, actually helps us see where Jesus will be born. And then there was a long period of silence. Well, this Messiah had been promised. When was he going to come? Promises had been made in the Old Testament, but when was he going to appear? There was a long period of silence. Where was God? Well, I want to say to us that God was busy with two very obscure women as we enter the New Testament. One of them was old and barren. Her name was Elizabeth. The other one was young and a virgin and her name was Mary. We step into the New Testament and God is occupying himself with these two obscure women. Suddenly we discover in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 1 verses 30, um, to, to 33, it says this to us, Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 33. And the angel said to her, this is Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so we find that these promises that were made thousands of years before suddenly are being fulfilled in the life of this woman called Mary. And this man, she was betrothed to called Joseph. And again, in the same gospel of Luke, in, in Luke's gospel, chapter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 8, we read this. I want you to please pay attention. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Remember, Bethlehem was prophesied about because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, can you all see Mary and Joseph? Yeah, they're right there with baby Jesus. Yeah, that way, if you, yeah, can you see from there? They're right here. They're right here on this, on this end. It says that, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. And then from verses 8 to 15, it says this to us. And in the same region, there were shepherds. Where are the shepherds? Shepherds, where are you? All right. The shepherds are in here somewhere. And there were there were shepherds. Where am I? I've lost track. And there were shepherds in that region. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, where are the angels? We've got some angels. Yeah, we've, got, we've got some angels here as well. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It was a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus will be born in a manger. God promised that in the Old Testament thousands of years before Jesus was born. We find that God honored his promise. At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God promised as a savior, he became man and dwelt among us in the passing of Jesus. Hello, Jesus. I think I'll stop here. God bless you. Jesus, as we've just heard, grew up to be a man living a perfect and sinless life. We can read about his life in the Bible in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We find out about his heart, his nature, his ways, and his very being. Jesus was incredibly kind and encouraging. People really matter to him, and he reached out to them. He welcomes back the lost and sinful with open arms, saying, Your mistakes do not define you. In his name, we can know forgiveness and relationship restored with God. He shows us what God is like, loving, kind, and always good. Jesus doesn't compare you to somebody else. Jesus doesn't condemn. There is so much goodness and grace. He brought healing, help, and hope. He transformed people's lives. He blessed and comforted them in a way they've never known before. And for me too, before I knew Jesus, I longed to live a different life, but I didn't know how. Jesus showed me. He wants us to become like him, to follow his teachings and to turn away from sin and darkness into the light, to truly experience how beautiful life can be. But despite Jesus bringing healing, help and hope, most people rejected him and his message. Jesus' teachings are challenging. He says, for example, that it is more important to be forgiving than to be right. Jesus was opposed by the religious leaders of today who felt he was challenging them and they didn't really understand him. They persuaded the Roman authorities to kill him, crucifying him on a cross in front of everyone. Jesus, who did everything right, who came to this world out of love for us, died a horrific death on the cross for us. He died to pay the price for every sin that anyone in the world would ever commit, past, present, and future. But what happened next after his death on the cross, nobody expected, and it changes everything. Because three days after Jesus died and was buried, God brought him back to life again. When they came to the tomb where they had left his body, it was empty. Jesus had risen. He really did come back from the dead, and he is alive today. After coming back to life, he showed himself to lots of people, especially the ones who doubted him, confirming that he was alive and that he has power over death. Death is real. We all have to face it one day, but Jesus overcame death, and so whoever believes and trusts in him, you also will overcome death. And even today, even right this minute, even now, you too can have hope. You too can experience the same kind of blessing and comfort. And you too can call on Jesus Christ and he will take you to a place of stillness and peace. But not only that, as a Christian, you also have a secure 
and reserved place in heaven because of what he did for you on that cross. So at the heart of our faith is the cross, a reminder of what Jesus has done for you, a reminder of how much God loves you, and that God really cares about you, and that you are worth dying for. That famous Bible verse in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus, thank you for being the Savior of this world and God's greatest gift to us. And uh, I like any song that ends up with the children sleeping. That uh, sounds a good, uh, a good recipe, doesn't it? Uh, it's great. I, I love Christmas, and um, we've heard so much about the whole events of that first Christmas more than 2,000 years ago. But I wanted to just start by just emphasizing that the Bible that tells us about these events is a book of history. It's not a fairy tale. We're not talking about Hans Christian Andersen and a nice story that the children know. Actually, these are historical events that actually happened. There really was a baby born in that stable. There really were wise men who traveled for days following a star. How cool is that? The shepherds really did do what shepherds shouldn't do and left their sheep to go to the stable. There really were angels that appeared to them. These aren't the sort of things that happen when most babies were born. This was a baby that was very special. A baby who Sam reminded us whose birth had been predicted hundreds of years before in quite some detail. The birth of Jesus. Jesus, who was God himself. Think about that. God himself taking human form. As Petra reminded us, Jesus, who never did anything wrong in his life, who spoke with real wisdom and understanding, who did all those Miracles to show people who he was. Jesus, who claimed to be the saviour of the world. The Jesus who we've been reminded in his early 30s was killed by the authorities on that cross. And yet on the third day, rose from the dead and went up to heaven. Jesus who said he'd come to give each of us life forever with God, who said he could wipe away everything that we have done wrong, wipe it clean, cleanse our consciences. Jesus, who offers a way to live that is good and pleases God, who offers us joy and peace for our lives. And we live in a world, don't we, where there's not much joy, there's not much peace around, but Jesus offers us joy and peace in our hearts, something that's in pretty short supply. Jesus, who for many of us, like Petra, like Sam, like Mads, would say we've investigated these claims. We found them to be true for ourselves and our lives. It's interesting, if you think about it, Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the way to God. And someone who makes those sorts of claims, it's hard to ignore them, isn't it? Someone who is 
making those sort of claims today, they'd be front page on our, our newspapers. We've got to think about what they say. And there's really only three options for someone who claims to be God, who claims to show us what God is like. They've either got to be deluded and kind of off their heads, really, not sure about, you know, who they are. It could be, of course, that they're bad, that they're deliberately trying to mislead people. Or else, and what we believe to be the case, that actually what they say what he said, what Jesus said, was true, that he truly was the Son of God, that he truly had come to this earth to show us what God is like. And if that is indeed true, then actually it must be worthy of further consideration, further thinking about, further looking into, further investigation. And we're not going to have the opportunity particularly to do that today. But what we'd love to do is to invite you as a church to come on a journey with us. We're going to be starting a course called Alpha uh, at the end of January on a Thursday evening next, uh, next year, 2024. Goodness. Um, and uh, it's just a great place to explore these questions. If you kind of think, well, I wonder if there really is anything in this. Was it really God born in that stable that 2,000 years ago? Does it really have any relevance to my life? Come with us. Come on the journey of Alpha. You can start with us. I say it's 27th of January. Sign up today and, you know, there's going to be no pressure. It's a place to bring your questions. It's a place to ask questions. It's a place to actually air those things that are on your heart. It'll run for eight weeks, so that's not too long. I kind of worked it out. What is it? Eight times two is 16 hours. So two working days. That's all it'll be for this journey to find out some of the questions of some of the most important uh, issues of our time for eternity and for each of us. Come on us. Come with us on the Alpha journey. And that's actually the people with red t-shirts. Here we are. Look, Jenny's modeling one. Find one of these people after the um, after the meeting today, and they'll tell you how to sign up for Alpha. We'll take your name. We won't um, do anything, no pressure at all. But just the invitation is there. If you'd like to find out more, come with us and uh, ask your questions.